This is John Nix, and you're listening to the One More Verse podcast. One More Verse is a resource designed to help people understand the Bible by walking through the scriptures together. The passage for today is Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 18. Paul begins by asking if there is any encouragement in Christ. This series obviously assumes a positive answer. Is there encouragement of Christ? Well, of course there is. And for this group of believers, they would know this. Yes, there's comfort from love. Yes, we participate in the Spirit. Yes, affection and sympathy matter. In all these things, they assume a positive answer. And so Paul calls them to complete his joy by being of the same mind and having the same love. Now, unity is one of those things that is so very difficult to come by. Paul is reminding them that because we are encouraged in Christ and there is comfort and love that we maintain this unity and we accomplish this unity through having the same mind. And so he walks us through what that looks like. He says we're not to do things from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility we're to count others as more significant than ourselves. Now for us, we sometimes miss this. He begins with the negative, and most of us would know, of course we wouldn't do anything from selfish ambition or conceit. But this is the place where the follower of Jesus must learn to assess their hearts. We must learn to understand our motivations and see whether or not they're in line with the gospel and they are proper. For example, selfish ambition. Perhaps you are someone who is gifted in the area of music. Maybe you're a gifted vocalist or guitar player or worship leader. It could be that you have a selfish ambition where you just want to celebrate and others to recognize just how talented you are. And so your ambition, which is driven by the recognition and glory that you desire, might be that, yes, I want to lead my church, but that ambition may be selfish and it may be self-serving. It's possible to do the right things with the wrong heart motivation. And for us as believers, this is where things get really difficult. For humility and thinking of others more significant than ourselves is absolutely contrary to everything that the world teaches. The world says, you got to get what's coming to you. You got to know that you're better than anybody else. This is all about you. But Paul challenges and he says, this is the place where the same mind and the same love and unity is going to come from. You've got to walk in humility before others. You've got to think of them as more significant than yourselves. Jesus has already told us that we're supposed to love our neighbor as our self. And so this totally lines up with the teachings of Jesus. And so we should walk in humility and we should look at others as more significant, which means our needs may have to take a back seat, which means that we need to be thoughtful of those who serve and have other things that they do for the body of Christ. This is something that we must contend with. He tells us that we're supposed to have this mind, this um, completing his joy by having the same mind. And then he tells us what that mind is like. The example that he moves to is Jesus. And in this set of verses, which is one of my favorite, he begins to explain for us the mysteries and the scandal of the gospel. He reminds us that this mind is ours in Christ Jesus. This is not something that we can create on our own. This is not something that we can accomplish on our own. This is the gracious work of God the Spirit in us as we have the mind of Christ. We're reminded what humility looks like. Paul reminds us that Christ was in the form of God, but he did not count that equality as a thing to be held on to. And he emptied himself and became a servant 
being born in the likeness of men. Now, this is one of those truths that I think sometimes we overlook. You see, when we think of uh, Jesus coming and incarnating here on planet Earth, a lot of times we miss the truth and the theology behind this. We celebrate at Christmas. We look upon this nativity scene with, you know, the shepherds and Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus. And sometimes we just think, oh, how cute. And we think upon this baby and we fail to realize what exactly Jesus did to make himself one of us. You see, when he came to earth, it was nothing less than his utter and complete humiliation. How does God become like the creation? How is it that the king of heaven now finds himself needing to be carried and fed by a teenage girl? When we think of Jesus not holding on to his equality with God and emptying himself, we must see that this is absolutely the truth of the, the self-giving love of Jesus. He gave himself and he took the form not of a king, not of someone to be revered and honored and, and looked upon with grandeur, but instead he took on the form of a servant. He became like one of us. And this is the way that God would rescue us. And so being in that human form, he didn't just humble himself. He wasn't just a servant, but he obeyed to the point of death, even to death on a cross, which for the Jew was a curse. God himself became a curse and died on a cross so that we might be reconciled to him. But I love the turn as Paul reminds us that, yes, we need to have that same mind. We need to follow Christ's example of humility. We need to find the unity that comes because of the encouragement in Christ and the comfort from love and all those things. But he reminds us that was not the end of what happened in the life of Jesus. You see, now Jesus, having completely obeyed and accomplished everything that the Father told him to, having risen from the dead, is highly exalted. He's at the right hand of the Father. His name is above every name, and every enemy is his footstool. There is nowhere that Jesus does not have power and dominion, and there is coming a day, and it approaches quickly, when every knee is going to bow in heaven and earth and under the earth. All of creation is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, and this will be to the glory of God the Father. And as Paul unpacks this for us and he calls us to this unity, he reminds them that, listen, I know that you've obeyed, especially when I was there, but now you obey even in my absence because of the gracious work of the Holy Spirit as he conforms us to the image of Jesus. Because of our love for him, we walk in obedience. And he tells us that we need to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Now, if we're not careful, we may take that and we may twist that a bit. We may distort it and not understand the work of salvation. Paul has been very clear that we're saved by grace through faith. It's not of ourselves, not of works, so that no one can boast. So if we're not saved by works, then how do we work out our own salvation? He switches immediately in verse 13, though, and says, because it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So don't start to think that now I've got to earn my salvation. I've got to make sure that uh, I'm the one who can save myself through these works. No, that's not the way things work at all. We are saved by faith alone, but it's not a faith that stays alone. The evidence of grace must manifest in our life. There must be the fruit of righteousness that's born out of our lives. It's not what saves us, but it is what demonstrates the internal change so that people can see that Jesus on the inside makes a difference on the outside. 
He continues in this idea of unity and humility, and he tells us to do things without grumbling or disputing. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes that's a difficult thing. Grumbling doesn't necessarily have to find its voice and make its way out. We may just have a discontent spirit that grumbles on the inside and in our minds instead of finding the joy of serving Jesus and that service is its own reward. Sometimes we may lament and complain our service. Paul says, don't do it. If we're to maintain this unity, if we're to walk in humility, we've got to do it without grumbling and disputing. We're supposed to walk like children in the midst of this broken place where we find ourselves. We're to shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life. It harkens back to the words of Christ that we're supposed to let our light shine before men so that they can see our good deeds, but not so they can tell us how awesome we are, but that they may glorify our father who's in heaven so that we may testify that it is, it is his internal power at work in us that they see. And they, that's why they see these good deeds. We must hold fast to this word of life so that uh, Paul reminds them that he, he, he wants them to know that he's not labored in vain, that indeed Christ has rescued them. And what a privilege for him to be a part of that. He says that it's, it's a great joy and privilege to even be poured out as a drink offering, to be a sacrifice. He's glad. He rejoices. Doesn't matter that he's in prison. He just finds all the joy and happiness in serving Jesus and seeing these uh, bear the fruit of righteousness. And so he calls them also to rejoice and to be glad. So on this day of reading, let this mind be in you. It's the mind of Christ. Let us walk humbly before our fellow man. Let our words be seasoned with grace and truth and may our hands and feet be swift to serve. May we look not just to our interest, but may we look to the interest of others. Renounce anything that would raise itself up against the glory of Jesus. May we live only to serve and only to glorify him. Thanks for listening to the One More Verse podcast. For more information about Vertical Purpose or One More Verse, visit us online at johnnicks.org. I'd love to hear from you, so you can find me on socials, such as Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Just use the handle, TheJohnNix. And don't forget to download the free Vertical Purpose app for additional resources, such as sermons and the One More Verse Hangout. Thanks again, and join me tomorrow for the One More Verse podcast.